Hello. I'm Koel. And I'm Kenna. Welcome back to Diagnosing a Killer. 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 Wow, this is terrible. We're rapping about murder. Is it really a rap, though? When you put it that way. There was no beat. Fair. to be back with another episode for your listening pleasure yes that was my thumb popping if you heard something like a fart it did well there you go, and there you go. thumb popping so excited thumb, thumb. i just got a fork <laughs> i'm tired <laughs> um yeah some things have changed the things are always changing weeks, i know our yeah. lives are like up in the air all the time Hey, but at least it's not boring. It's true <laughs> there's always something to do i just recently got a new job i I'm sure everyone's heard because I keep talking about it, but I graduated from college and I got my psychology degree and I'm like, I, as soon as I did it, I didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't know I was going to do this, but as soon as I got my degree, I was like, yeah, service industry, not for me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't feel tied yeah. to waiting tables or bartending anymore. So I kind of impromptuitively, I don't know, that's not even a word, impromptually quit my In- job <laughs> and uh, I got a new job. Impul- yeah, but I don't know, whatever. Yeah. It happened. And I got a new job, and I am now a patient care coordinator for a counseling center and practice in San Antonio, which is awesome. That's so exciting. I know! And you got a new job. Yeah. What? <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. Cool, I got a new job. I got a job. It's supplemental income. That's what I call it. It's supplemental hey, income. it's money. You're making yeah, money. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I am excited. I also have a trip coming up. And it'll be in April, so oh. we'll probably have a few more episodes before that. But I'm going to go to Ohio. Oh, I'm yes. going to go see Trish. I remember. So excited. That's excited. So, Speaking of friends, we got two new Patreons in between the last episode and yeah. this one. Thanks, friends. Yeah. We got uh, Sty Mizzle. Sty Mizzle. Got him. Got him. <laughs> we finally got him. <laughs> we got him. <laughs> and we also got Stephanie. Yeah. Stephanie is one of my old classmates and a good friend of mine. And she said that she got uh, one of her best friends hooked as well. So thank you for listening. I'm mm-hmm. really excited to have you. It's been kind of interesting because I feel like I run into people where I'm like, oh, da da da. Like, conversation just happens. Yeah. Conversation flows. And then I'm like, oh, me and my sister. Yeah, we have a podcast. And like, the person that I'm talking to is like, yeah, I already listened to you. And I'm like, you what? do? <laughs> no, like, We're famous. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I love that. That is funny. I actually, yeah. it's funny, side note completely, but. Um, I just recently got a new car. I I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but my car got hit back in September of 2021 and it got totaled. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Linda. And um, anyways, long story short, I was looking for a new car a couple of weeks ago and uh, I started to use, uh, I'm not going to name the car service, but a car service that didn't end up working out. We didn't end up buying from them, but I talked to multiple representatives for the car service in the process and I actually got like three of them to listen. (laughs) So if you're listening, hello. I didn't end up buying a car from you. I'm sorry. But. (laughs) It's fine. We're still friends. Yeah. But yeah. Exciting. Exciting stuff. Lots to talk Um, about. Anything else? I think that's, I mean, our lives are. (laughs) Sound like alcoholics. (laughs) (laughs) There's an empty, like, case of wine bottles here that I was supposed to cut into glasses for Richard. Yeah. They have the rose bottoms. Yeah. The rose, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, 
Uh, yeah, so I think that's all the updates about us. Any true crime updates or anything that you can think of? I don't think there's so. There's been a lot going on with the true crime world. No, there's, I mean, well, there's a lot going on internationally with Ukraine and all that, <laughs> which is kind of what my case has to do with. And well. I I've, I think I've said this on the podcast before, and if I haven't, I definitely say this to Kenna almost every time. But I feel like every case I do has some type of a recent update. Yeah. And so when I started researching this case, it dealt with a Ukrainian citizen huh. and that I felt like that was really like, what? Oh, no, I like cursed the world yeah. by researching this guy. Um, well, next time you do research, just do like sunshine and rainbows and then everything will go back yeah. to the- <laughs> <Everything'll be laughs> Research being a millionaire. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> oh. And then two podcast hosts became millionaires. <laughs> That's yeah. the end of the story. All righty. So we're going to kick it off. All right. We're going to talk about Andre. T- okay. Oh, it's Forgive already happening. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's a lot of Ukrainian and Russian names. So it's going to be fine. it's going to be a little difficult. But bear with me. I will say now I feel like we've definitely gotten to know the listeners a little bit. and They've gotten to know us. And so I'm going to do like minimal editing now <laughs> unless it's something really bad or if we're okay. trying to like repeat ourselves. Fair. But I think that they'll bear with us enough to kind of deal with us, you know, maybe not being perfect all the time. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah. We don't no have to be perfect. perfect. No exactly. one's perfect. So today we're going to talk about Andre Chikatilo. And he was born October 16th, 1936, in a small village of Yabloshne. Oh, that was a good pronunciation Thanks. there. Try- I tried it out. It's real Ukrainian. It's real yeah. Russian. <laughs> so this was part of the USSR, um, or what is now Ukraine. So during this time, under the regime of the Soviets and the control of Joseph Stalin, there was actually a countrywide forced famine called the Hol- Holodomor. Okay. And so this is like kind of just a little bit of the background of like what he was experiencing when he was a kid, right? Mm-hmm. So it was basically a mass genocide of local farmers because Stalin had basically said that you couldn't purchase any like produce or anything from non like government sanctioned places. Okay. So local farmers and stuff like that, basically they were starved. Great. Because they couldn't provide for themselves. They couldn't buy anything. Yeah. That, like, really hurts my heart. It's it's really sad. So, um, he was basically... Stalin was basically terrified that Ukraine, like, basically becoming a part of the USSR, that they would have, they would rebel about... Well, I know, right? How crazy to think of it now. Yeah. But this has happened before to the Ukrainian yeah. people, which is really sad. So basically to destroy any hope of that and knowing that they were a really powerful country due to their agricultural strengths, he basically sought to ruin the country by only allowing produce to be purchased through government sanctioned suppliers, like I said. But unfortunately, this caused the death of somewhere between, somewhere between 3.5 million and 7 million local farmers and villagers. Holy shit. Somewhere in between because they don't know the actual number. Yeah, because they, no one cared to document that. No, of course not. So oh, of that course, is yeah. So awful. They were actually that this whole thing was actually attempted to be hidden from the world, which is this is the very first time I had ever heard. Of I have it. not heard about that either. Wow. So it actually wouldn't be coined as a genocide until 1953. So like so 20, like 20 years, years later. later. Yeah. Sorry, you, you were just getting ready <laughs> no, to okay. say that. I just <laughs> said it. It's okay. Um. So wow. basically, this is what Andre Andre I'm going to say Andre was exposed to at a really young age, and um. Actually, his his mother would even tell him really horrible, gruesome stories about cannibals that lived in the area because people were like, according to him, what his mother said is that people were being forced to eat each other because they were starving. So do you think, was that like 
true or do you think that his mom was like being a dick or like does she really believe that that's my question right so i will tell you that she would tell him a story of a supposed older brother that he had that before he was born oh no and that neighbors had attacked him killed him and eaten him I should have started true. (laughs) There's actually never been any documentation that he had an older brother. Okay, that makes me feel better. So horrible story to tell your child. Yeah, what the fuck is that about? So yeah, it was never actually confirmed that Andre even had a brother. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about this a little bit. This whole story is pretty gruesome. Okay. Um, I'm just gonna throw it out there for any of the listeners that are sensitive to any sort of topic when it comes to assaults or um, graphic details pertaining to murder. Um, And we are also going to be talking about young people as well. So I just want everybody to know that I might not always say content warning because it's going to be a lot of content warnings. So this is just an overall episode of content warnings. So Andre was actually born with a condition called hydrocephalus. It's also known as wet brain or water on the brain. Um, And through treatment, it can be simple to, like, get rid of. It's basically excess uh, spinal fluid. Okay, I was going to say, it almost sounded like fetal alcohol syndrome or or when a baby is born addicted or something, but you just, okay, it's it's, it's not alcohol. No, it's just extra spinal fluid or uh, that has built up in the brain that doesn't drain properly. Okay. But it basically, what it does is it pickles your brain. Oh. Yeah, because it's just, sat- it's oversaturated. And so treatment for this nowadays is really, really simple. And I love that we always say this, like, this isn't the 1930s, but this is the but 1930s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, it, it is a very simple procedure. And especially they didn't have, you know, access to health care, mm-hmm. things like that. They were really poor and they lived well, yeah, in a really Yeah, if they couldn't even area. sell their freaking produce, then right. what makes you think that they can get health care? Actually, yeah, each one of their, I mean, they lived in a one-bedroom hut first of all, like a one-room hut. Mm -hmm. And um, the only thing that um, the Russian military or the government would allow them to have would be, like, what would be the equivalent of a very, very small, like, apartment backyard. You were able to use that for farmland to produce for your family. But that was it. Yeah, and that's not very feasible when potatoes take, like, four years to fucking grow. Not really, but a long time, you know? Like, you can grow one thing at a time, or you can grow, like... One of each thing at a time. Of course, yeah. So the family, you know, well, he was really malnourished as well. So basically, like, nowadays what they would do is they would put, like, they put, like, a shunt in the back of your head to help drain the fluid into your spine. And then it blocks it from refilling. Right, exactly. So it it just, it helps get rid of all of that, right? Wet brain presents itself in infants as, like, an enlarged head. And in adults and older children, they may experience headache, impaired vision, cognitive difficulties, loss of coordination, and unfortunately, incontinence. Oh. So, Andre began suffering these effects during childhood because it was never treated. Yeah. And since the family shared a one-room hut, he usually slept on his parents' bed. Okay. But because he suffered from incontinence, he would often wet the bed. Okay. He was usually beat when this would happen by his mother. Yeah, because that's his fault. Yeah. For sure. They, I don't know, I guess they, I don't know. Like he was acting out or something. I don't like this mom. Yeah, already. So his father would eventually go off and fight in the Second World War, and he 
unfortunately had to leave the family in their one-room hut and their barren farmland. It almost reminds me of, like, the missions, like, when we went and, like, we were kids and we went to visit, like, the Alamo and the missions and mm-hmm. stuff, and they had those little rooms that were made of clay and stuff, and yeah. you got to kind of see. That's kind of what I'm picturing with that one-room little area that you're talking yeah, about, you know? Yeah, it's just you know? one room. Real small, like... Yeah. Of course, probably no had a little see, bit of, like, like a, that, no comfortability at all. Probably had one little tiny stove or something. Yeah. Not even, like, a freaking one of the stand-up ones. Yeah. Yeah. What do they call those? Like, a furnace? Oh, I thought it was, like, a... Hold on. You see Chimenea. The- chimenea is what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of a chimenea. So, once wounded in combat, uh... His father actually surrendered surrendered to a Russian holding camp, and um, during his time in the Russian holding camp, he would observe, like, these horrible tortures yeah. and senseless killings, Nazis, all that stuff. Uh-huh. Andrei's father was actually forced to be denounced publicly once he returned home to the village as a traitor, because he was wounded, and he didn't, like, sacrifice his life. Oh yeah. my god. Okay, complete side note. This reminds me, I was watching Below Deck Sailing mm-hmm. Yacht. This isn't going to give anything away, because I know it's just airing. If you're watching it, don't freak out. I'm not going to spoil anything. <laughs> but their chef this season was, he grew up in Venezuela, and he was saying that he had lived there for like 20 years, and he hasn't been there in 20 years, mm-hmm. because he used to cook for the president of Venezuela. And when you work for him and you leave, you either get the hell out of there, or they kill you. Wow. If you decide to quit. And he literally was like crying. He was like... I have not but now seen he's my not family. on a national television show, and he's saying that. I know I'm like, a little concerned for him, <laughs> which is why I don't feel bad saying it here because yeah. Um, but he was like seriously, he's like, I haven't seen my family in 20 years. I can go anywhere in the world except for Venezuela because that if I go so back, they sad. will kill me. And he was talking to one of the guys that works with him, and he was saying like, yeah, some people didn't make it out, and the other guy was like, what do you mean? Like they stayed in Venezuela? He's like, no, they got murdered. Like they killed them. Like yeah. if you don't, that's that's just because you a, see too much. You, you know too much. You could literally. hear too much. Oh, literally. yeah. Imagine, yeah, so like, that, one, sorry, that just ma- that made me think of that, because yeah. it's like, he's, now he's publicly viewed as a bad person, technically, I mean, kind of, you know, if you think about a traitor, like, yeah. he probably has a target on his back, I mean, he definitely does after that. It's, yeah, oh, that's exactly. So, awful. so, yeah, like I said, when Andre's father came back, he was definitely labeled as a traitor. So, Andre's father would also return and find his wife pregnant. How long was he gone for? Oh, I want to say, like, a few years. Oh. Maybe, like, maybe a year or so. So, a weird, like, medical mystery? She was just pregnant She's for, like, the Virgin Mary. Yeah. Didn't you know this was the story of Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, it was definitely him before he left, and, like, three years, she's still pregnant, and then, no, what No. The bitch cheated. So, both of these things is why Andre would be tormented in class. He was constantly bullied at school and would be called a traitor's son and a whore's son. She definitely was the latter, but still, like (laughs) someone, she was with someone else. It was unclear. No, that just really pisses me off that, like, he's getting bullied for that. That Mm -hmm. was none of his decision. Right. Like, teach your fucking kids better. He was also often wearing handmade clothing and looked very pale and weak because he was so malnourished. He was super short for his age um, because of the lack of nutrition. So he was just a little kid, like a baby. I'm assuming he later grows up to be the killer, but at the same time, I, w- I feel bad for the kid. Yeah, you gotta feel him. bad for the kid, not he for the killer. He has nothing to do with yeah. it. So that is, in a nutshell, all of the things that Andre experienced when he was little. So, okay. with the famine and just the 
overall nastiness of the conditions he was living in and his father leaving and, you know, his mom either having an extramarital affair or there have, there were rumors that maybe she was raped by a Nazi soldier. Oh. And that that might have been because the Germans were infiltrating everything. Well, I called her a bitch and now I feel bad. Well, I mean, we don't know. Okay. You know, we really don't. Andre had never, had never talked about experiencing or remembering anything about German men being in the home. So, and this, this all happened after the fact that his mom was telling him the story about his Yes. Brother. This okay. is a story that he th- that he was used to hearing growing up. Okay. So at this point, this is this is all throughout his elementary school experience and pretty much his middle school experience or what our equivalency of that would yeah. be just during those ages. Mm-hmm. So Andre's father would come home and um you know, of course, the fact that he was labeled as a traitor, he would come home, he would drink, things like that. Um from for what I can what I found out, I don't know what he did after he returned home from serving in the military, but he would most often tell Andre all of these really horrible stories about the things that he witnessed um, in war. I mean, like, I can't even imagine. I can, like, like sometimes when I'm watching, like, more movies, like Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. like, I almost couldn't finish it. Like, yeah. it was really, it's hard to watch. Imagine being there. And that's not even, like, real. I mean, it's realistic, but it's definitely not as realistic, I can imagine, as it is, you know, yeah. in actual war. So he was explaining all these things and, and to Andre when the, he was growing up. But according to his younger sister, her name is Tatiana, um, that their father was actually a very kind and forgiving man. It was their mother who berated them and abused them when they mm-hmm. were kids. So in addition to this, Andre actually suffered from a visual disorder, which made it difficult for him to read um, great distances in school. So okay. it was really hard for him to read a chalkboard. So he also kind of got berated for that. Like, what are you, you know, stupid or whatever. Um, But when he would return home, he would read as often as he could because he could finally get a book in front of his face. Mm -hmm. So, of course, much like other cases we've seen, you know, where people feel shunned out of their social situations, that they throw themselves into academics or Mm -hmm. books. So that's what he did. He would read magazines um, and books, specifically communist books and magazines. He really identified with the Communist Party um, and identified as such okay. uh, all throughout his younger years. So he would eventually graduate with excellence in his school, and he was actually the only child in his village's immediate vicinity to actually complete all years of schooling before college. Oh, what are you, stupid? Right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> What are you stupid? Sal. <laughs> what are you stupid or something? <laughs> but seriously, it reminds me of the, like the kids. Like, what are you stupid? No, actually, yeah. fuck you. You are because I exactly. just graduated. And I, I do feel like maybe that was part of the motivation was like, no, I'm going to show you like you're the dummies. Hell yeah. You're the ones that are starting little baby farms when yeah. you're 12 years old. Not me, you know. Go you kid, Andres. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, there is something about Andre though. Oh, Andre. I said Andres. My bad. Or Andre, 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 yeah. I said it with an Andre, S. Andre, though. That's okay. S is in Sam. <laughs> there is... I'm on the phone a lot now lately, and so I like, used to say, like, yeah, S is in Sam, because you can't hear over the phone mm-hmm. if you're saying S or F, but I guess you can on the podcast. Good. So there is something about Andre. Okay. Throughout his experiences finding interest in the other sex, he was actually never able to get an erection. So this is due to his birth condition. Oh. It... Yeah, it, it causes incontinence and honestly just trouble with sexual organs in general. Okay. So, of course, as he grew older and he did find attraction to women, females, young girls, that he 
again, was unable to have an erection or, yeah. Um, Content warning. He does recollect, however, on one occasion when he was a teen, he was play wrestling with his younger sister's friend. His excitement grew when he pinned the young girl down and he would actually end up ejaculating in his pants. What? Completely without an erection. What? Yeah. You can do that? I, I guess. We're both female. <laughs> I guess. You can do that? So this was his first exposure to connecting sexuality and violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it was when, he, when she was struggling when he pinned her down. And it was play wrestling, but... He enjoyed it, you know? So I think, I think, I want to say, I want to say she was like 12. He was like 17. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's like creepy, but also like that in itself, like getting pleasure out of a violent act, as long as it's not actually hurting the person and the person's consensual and it's something along those lines. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. You mean like BDSM? Yeah. BDSM. But when it comes to the point where the other person is not down Mm -hmm. and they are actually being physically injured, like, uh, like what's it called? Like permanently injured or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's obviously. So Andre continued his schooling and although he was a super bright individual with vast knowledge from all of his book reading, he actually failed his interim exams and was unable to attend the college that he wanted to go to, which was a local college. He was absolutely convinced that the reason that he did not make it into that college was because of his father's reputation. I mean, it's not far-fetched to think that. In in my head, I'm thinking, I don't think these people really give a shit about who your dad is, but he was convinced that, like, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, well, maybe something happened, like, during maybe the interview or something, and they brought it up or they mentioned yeah, oh well, that, that your dad oh your whatever. dad was in the military oh yeah yeah exactly. yeah that makes sense so again he thought that people in general just didn't want to see him succeed at this point so he actually moved to um he wanted to move out of the village because he was like no like i'm never gonna make any money here i'm never yeah. gonna work here because people just assume that i'm a trader's son or i'm yeah. a whore's son so he actually moved to cursed russia um and he actually pursued a job as a laborer he did enjoy it. He did it for about three months and then decided to enroll in a communications technician course. So there he met a woman of which he dated seriously. The couple attempted to engage in sex on three different occasions throughout the course of their 18-month relationship. He was unable to perform every time in the relationship and eventually they broke up. Sorry, It, it kind of reminds me, I think it was Richard Chase mm. that he also uh, had that issue with, it's not incontinence, but what's the other? Uh, it's impotence. Very, impotence, yes. Yeah. Like, uh, he had that issue as well. And mm. unfortunately, it kind of made his relationships dwindle as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, I think, I personally part, think a sexual a life is a big part of a relationship. Yeah. You know? I agree. I agree. So after his vocational training, Andrei would then be drafted into the Soviet Army in 1957. And this is where he stayed until 1960. Okay, so that's bizarre to me, though, because th- at this point, as far as I'm concerned, Russia and the Ukraine are one unit, and they're mm-hmm. fighting against the Nazis together. Yeah. So technically, he's joined the same unit, not unit, army, but military, as his dad was. And his right. dad's now considered a traitor, so... You'd think that there would be a con- conflict of I get, interest. I get what you're saying. However, it is mm-hmm. World War II, so maybe they're like, fuck it, let's just take everyone we can get. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean? think that's like, more more of what it is. And not only that, but he did move away from that village. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he could have lied and said, I don't even know who my dad is. That's very you true. Know? 
So I mean, it is the 1930s. It's not I like don't... they had paperwork. <laughs> it's not. It's not the 1950s. They didn't have paper back then. So. <laughs> Just so Andre actually excelled in his duties and joined the Communist Party officially that same year in 1960. So he was really excited about that because he had been growing up reading communist propaganda yeah. stuff like his whole life. That's what he kind of threw himself into. So after he served in the military, he actually returned home to his native village and uh, he actually met a divorcee. So a divorcee. So they seemed to get along pretty well, but after a few months, the woman actually began asking some of her friends for sexual advice. Okay. Because of Andre's conditions, right? Mm -hmm. And how they were experiencing intimacy issues. So through this, actually, many of the people in his peer group realized that he was impotent and the relationship ended after just three months. Oh, that sucks. And he was in- incredibly embarrassed by it, as uh, one yeah. would, right? Andre said about this time, quote, Girls were going behind my back, whispering that I was impotent. I was so ashamed. I tried to hang myself. My mother and some young neighbors came and pulled me out of the noose. I thought no one would want such a shamed man, so I had to run away from there. I ran away from my homeland, end quote. Oh my gosh, that breaks my heart. That's so sad. So again, there's like a few, a lot of embarrassments when it comes to what he was raised in, how he was brought up, and who he is as a person. Yeah, you just can't catch a break, man. He's just like tons of self-loathing. Like none of this is his fault either. Yeah. It's not like he asked or caused any of this. Yeah. Asked for or caused any. That's really sad. So Andre actually moved back to Russia in a town called Rostov-on-Don. I don't know how to... That's my best. That's fine. (laughs) You tried. A plus. Um, He would actually work as a communications engineer and eventually found a small apartment in Soviet Russia in 1961. So this is about a year later after he left the military. So soon after he moved, um, actually his sister, she uh, had finished school locally at the village and then she actually moved in with Andre, Andre. And she said that uh, the times that she actually lived with her brother, she never found him anything other than normal. She always thought he was a really normal dude, other than the fact that he was absolutely terribly shy when it came to being around women. Mm-hmm. So Tatiana actually would marry a local man within six months of her living in the city with Andre. Wow. Yeah, six months. Good That's like, her. you move there and then just like, found love. Yeah, and he's so like, easily wow, for like, fuck me, right? Yeah. So Tatiana was actually more determined than ever to find her brother a mate at this point. Mm-hmm. So she would eventually introduce Andre to a friend of hers named Fiodosia. Okay. Fiodosia. Probably Fiodosia. I think you nailed it. Fiodosia? Fiodosia. Just, I like that because it rhymes, but I think it's Fiodosia. Yeah. But she went by Finya. Okay. So we're going to call her Finya. Okay. That doesn't sound anything like her. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the F. Yeah. And maybe the E. <laughs> Might as well go by Frank. Yeah. All right. So her and him and Frank started yeah. dating. So yeah, she went by Finya, and in 1963, so this is like two years after he moved to the city, and Tatiana moved in with him, and then she got married within six months. Tatiana actually moved in with her husband's family, so he was okay. living by himself. Is this after? Sorry. Is he still um, in the army at this point? No, he's already left. Okay. Yeah. So he was doing like a. Uh, communications, vocational something, mm-hmm. like, labor stuff in Sorry, between this time. That. No, it's okay. Um, so, yeah. So, in 1963, th- so this is two years after they moved to the city, and within two weeks of meeting, the couple married. What? Finya and Andre. Within mm-hmm. two weeks of meeting? Of meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, this sounds really bad. I don't really want to ask this, but, like, did they have sex during the two weeks? Like, I don't know? know. Does she know? 
So I don't I don't know. So the well, maybe not. He's not a sexual person, so I wouldn't think so. Okay. So although Andre found Fenya attractive, he does claim that the whole situation felt so arranged that there was little love between the two of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I I recently saw a show where there was like kind of an arranged marriage situation or it was similar to one and the two people actually really loved each other because they got to grow to know each other and grow to love each other Mm -hmm. and it was it's kind of sweet so the couple of course had trouble intimately right you don't say however the couple wanted children okay i mean yeah understandable a couple they want kids they want kids so, Finya was actually very understanding of Andre's situation, and ultimately they conceived by at-home insemination. So he choked her until he jizzed without erection? <laughs> he, cho- he did not choke her. He was never violent towards Finya. But ever. that's the only way that he's ever ejaculated in well, his past. he might have been behind closed doors. I don't know. But either way, he... Basically blasted into his hand and then, <gasps> yeah. So, at-home insemination. That was the nice way of saying that. Well, I was thinking, like, turkey baster, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if they have a turkey baster. I mean, it is the 1930s. <laughs> I mean, turkey if, if, it's not the 1930s anymore. It's the they, 1960s. Oh, do they have turkeys? <laughs> <laughs> do they have turkeys in the 1960s? <laughs> turkeys even a thing? Were turkeys even a thing? Do people oh eat turkey in the 1960s? I want to make it clear. I'm totally joking. I know yeah. the turkeys have been around since America's been around. So either way, the couple would go on to have two children, and in 1965, the couple welcomed their daughter, Ludmilla, and in 1969, four years later, they had a son, Yuri, and he was born in 1969. (laughs) I said that already? Yeah. So Andre would actually enroll in Rostov University in 1964, so this was a year before Ludmilla was born. And uh, in 1970, so this was a year after Yuri was born, mm-hmm. 1970, he would graduate with a literary, literary and philosophy degree. Oh, wow. So, okay, Andre, so wh- where's the poop? Where's the poop, right? Literally. Where's the poop, Andre? I don't know. We're going to have to see. So this he doesn't start killing until he's in his 60s. He's <laughs> <laughs> an old man. He worked for a short time before starting a teaching job in Russian language and literature. So although Andre was a smart man, he seemed incapable of controlling a classroom environment. He was often talked negatively about by his peers and mocked by both teachers and students for his mild-mannered approach to teaching. Wow. Yeah. God forbid someone's fucking nice. He was super lax on the discipline. Yeah. And so, which, again, you know, again, you're thinking, where's the poop, right? You we've only had like one. The, the best teacher. We've only had one instance where he wrestled that girl to the ground, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Otherwise, he's tried to live a very normal life. Considering, I mean, yeah. shit. So of course, with everything that's going on, you know, we're talking about it's here's the buildup, right? Mm-hmm. So his rage actually starts just to boil inside of him at this point. Yeah, I would be fucking pissed too. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to do you a favor and make school like fun, and you're gonna be a dick yeah. about it. He's just not catching a break. So in May of 1973, Andre would commit his first assault. Okay. While swimming with students, he grabbed a hold of a girl. So swimming, like, this was basically where he was teaching was, like, a boarding school. Okay. So there's gyms and I was like, why was he swimming with students? <laughs> tennis courts and, and all different, like, this is where the kids live. Okay. 
So while he was swimming with some students, he did grab a hold of a girl and attempted to grope her. So while she was struggling to get away, he ejaculated. Yeah. How, how does one ejaculate that quickly? I don't <laughs> like, know. Just, ah, <laughs> ah shit. <laughs> Jesus. So this was reported to the school. However, nothing was done about it. Say what? It gets worse. A few months after this incident, Andre had actually locked a young girl in his classroom under the guise of disciplining her. He sexually assaulted the girl and then beat her. Nothing was done about the situation either. They knew? Yeah. Teachers even noticed that sometimes Andre would touch himself around the students in the schoolyard. And everyone was like, that's cool. Nothing was done. In fact, one of Andre's duties was to ensure that students, mainly the females, were boarded, who were boarded at the school, actually made it to their dormitories at night. They let in, someone in that has a record of assaulting young women. Does he have a record, though? Well, it's not documented, but people right. obviously know. Know about it. This hey, was absolutely including the girls' dormitories in which he was allowed to go in and out of at night. Why? So, there, like, there literally isn't documentation of how many other victims he might have had. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this, eventually, no, there, that someone <laughs> fucked up right yeah. there. Because what? It's gross. So eventually he was pulled aside and was told he would have to resign or be fired. Okay, instead of just like, bye, get out of here, you're terminated and you need to go to jail? Yeah, no. Um, of course, he decided to resign. However, he would get another job teaching by January of 1974. Because no one's fucking saying, like, black mark on your record, this guy's a child assailant, like a sexual assailant. Yeah. He oh my worked, god, that's He so worked awful. at his new location for the next four years until staff cutbacks occurred, leaving him jobless. Who knows how many people he assaulted during those during four years. During those four years. And he got, like, let off on a technicality. He got, yeah, he was let go because they were, there were staff cutbacks. It was around this time that Andre had actually purchased a derelict home that his wife did not know about near where he worked. This same year, Andre would commit his first known murder. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, um, so this is eight years into teaching. Who knows how many people he's assaulted, because clearly no one gives a fuck. Yeah. He's doing this, and people are, like, letting it slide. And then he gets not terminated, not arrested, laid off because of budget cuts. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yelena Zakatnova, who went by Lana, was nine years old, and she lived in the same district in which Andre had been working as a teacher. Okay. On December 22nd, just right before Christmas, Lana was walking from a friend's house that night. She was actually really excited for Christmas, and the girls, her and her friend, um, every year, they would, it's really adorable, so I had to leave this in there, they would write wishes on pieces of paper, they would burn them, and then they would take the ashes and sprinkle them in either champagne or vodka, and they would drink them, and they were their wishes for the next year. It was like their New Year's thing. Isn't that sweet? That's really adorable, but who the fuck is drinking vodka at nine years old? I, a Russian was, girl. She was. <laughs> a Russian girl. That's so fitting. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she loved it. They would they would always toast to the new year, and um, they called it magic. It was their magic. We need to start so, doing that. Isn't that cute? That's really cute. I like so, that. So after drinking the mixture with her friend, Lana said that she better head home. It was dark at this time, and she needed to use the restroom. So walking in a hurried manner... A man steps out onto the sidewalk behind her okay. and starts 
kind of calling at her, saying, hey, hey, like, I have gum, I have candy. Oh, cliche. And she turned around and said, no, thank you, mister. I need to head home. I need to use the restroom. He then offered for her to use the restroom at his house so that she wasn't uncomfortable all the way going home. Tell me she said no. She hesitated at first, but then she decided to follow him inside. Once inside, Andre banged her head against the wall, knocking her unconscious. He tried to sexually assault her, but was unable to maintain an erection. Oh, go figure. This enraged him so much that he began to stab her. He stabbed her three times or so, and then he actually ejaculated at the sight of her blood. She began to wake up in an attempt to speak, and then he then strangled her to death. Oh, my God. Andre took her body to a nearby river and dumped her there in the water. She wasn't found for two days, and her backpack was found on the bank. Oh, my God. While canvassing the neighborhood, neighbors were quick to tell about the almost haunted-looking house on the block. They knew that a man lived there and that there were people going in uh, in and out all of the time. Hmm. Um, There were mostly sex workers or drug addicts going in and out of the house. They were lured by a man who lived there that promised drugs, money, or food. Investigators saw blood in the snow leading up to the dilapidated house. Andre was uh, taken into custody to be interviewed. Although many neighbors had claimed that they saw Andre and the girl together for a brief moment that night, Finya would actually come to her husband's defense and say that he was home all night. Why? Uh, why did they do that? <laughs> it was revealed much, much later, um, much later in the story, that Finya was actually at work. She had no idea where Andre was at the time. So she wasn't even home. Like... She wasn't even home. But maybe, okay, you know what, what? Maybe that police. makes it better though, because maybe she's like, "Well, I wasn't home. Like maybe he was home because I don't know because I wasn't exactly. there." You know? Yeah. Okay. Th- okay. I kind of understand that. It's not like she was home and he was like not there, and then she was like, "Oh yeah, yeah he was there all night." I mean, and to be <laughs> fair, they've been married for like ten years, and they have two children. Together, two children like, together. You know, the first thing that you don't think is like, or the it's not the first thing you think that like, oh, he's doing something wrong yeah. or illegal. So police actually accepted that Andre must not be the perpetrator because <sighs> he had an alibi. I mean, Even though there was blood like outside the house. Getting away with a lot. And at this point, they can only tell that blood, there's not, there's no, like, DNA process at this yeah. point. They can only tell what type it is. They can collect it, but they can't test it. Exactly. DNA, they can yeah. say that, oh, maybe this is Lana's blood type, but it's not necessarily Lana's blood. Yeah. So. And to be fair, blood types are very common. You know, yeah. most of them are... So a few doors down from Andre's shanty lived a man named Alexander Grambell. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Kravchenko and his wife. Alexander had been convicted previously of rape and murder. Hmm. So the police were interested in speaking with him about Lana. The one time he doesn't do something they want to talk <laughs> Poor guy. To um, I mean, still fuck that guy. But so like, <laughs> when in the house talking to Alexander and his wife, police noticed that there appeared to be blood on Alexander's wife's clothing. Alexander's alibi for the time of the murder is that he was with his wife and their mutual friend at home having dinner. Police, now believing that they had the man that they were looking for, threatened Alex, his wife, and the friend with charges if Alex did not confess to the murder. Okay, so they're just going to believe that Homeboy is, like, at home with his wife, but they're not going to believe that this guy is at home having dinner with two other people? Two other people. They thought that uh, they threatened Alex with the murder. They threatened his wife with... Like, accessory. Accessory. And then the friend with perjury. 
It almost seems to me like, for some reason, this the fact that he was in the military is kind of helping him get away with things. Like, yeah. maybe people at maybe. work And he's knew. a teacher. Yeah, well, pe- yeah. Gonna, maybe his coworkers at the school knew that he was ex-military, and they mm-hmm. were like, whatever. I mean, like, yeah, he might have done something, but, like, he's probably fucked up from the military, or whatever. Yeah. And then maybe these cops are, like, looking into his background. Well, exactly. he is ex-military, he's you know. He's a stand-up dude. Are we really gonna, like, try to persecute someone? That's someone that doesn't have someone? a record. And here's this man Even though that he's lived- done so much shit. He has. Even though this, there's, there's this guy, Alexander, right down the street. He's a rapist and a murderer. Wouldn't convicted. put it past him. So Alex's wife would ultimately change her statement, saying that Alex was not in the house for a few hours that night. Oh, she just turned on his ass. She turned on his ass hard. Oh my God. I'd be like, bitch, fuck you. It is awful. And with this, Alex would actually confess to the murder. A confessed, a coer- coerced confession is always so it pisses me off so much it's so bad i mean don't get me wrong this guy's a piece of shit too however why are you gonna confess to something that you didn't do oh it always like fucking baffles me at alex's trial he maintained his innocence saying that he only confessed under extreme duress unfortunately he was found guilty and he was sentenced to death he was he was executed by firing squad in july of 1983 not even kidding. Okay, imagine going to prison for any amount of time for something that you didn't do. Now imagine getting put on the death penalty for something that you didn't fucking do and actually getting killed. But do you think that maybe somewhere in his mind, like, it was, like, karmatic for him because he was already... No, again, he's a piece of shit. convicted of rape and murder. Do you think that maybe some type of, like, serendipitous circumstances put him in this position and then i mean that's honestly i might feel that way i'd be like maybe i deserve this and maybe that's why i'm being convicted of something i didn't do i mean is I because can see i should have been here already i can see it again this guy is definitely a piece of shit i just don't agree with the fact that he didn't do that crime and he got charged and killed for that crime that and then andre over here is just like yippy skippy like whatever i'm just hanging out with my not wife at my not house like i wasn't there <laughs> that night like Oh my, that is... Isn't that horrible? I think that's one of the first times I've ever heard of someone not only getting convicted of something that they didn't do, but getting actually killed yeah. from something that they didn't do. Yeah. And like they were ruthless penalty. back then with the yeah. death penalty. Oh, that's like awful. That's just, like, mm-hmm. mind-blowing. Andre would actually find work again after Lana's murder because, again, he was jobless because he was laid off, right? He began teaching for another school, and in 1981, his teaching career and his assault streak on students would end. Complaints were filed by parents and teachers about Andre's assault on children of both sexes at this point. Oh. Um, not just girls. Yeah. So he was um, he was fired from the school. So this would be the last time that he would work in a school oh, system. Oh, the school actually did something about Finally. it. Finally. Andre would then begin to work as a traveling supplies clerk for a Russian factory company. Okay, so now he has access to people's homes. Right? And he's, like, traveling, like, and he's multiple a victims, like, oh more access to people in general. At this point, Andre was realizing that he needed violence in order to achieve sexual pleasure. He did know that he craved this type of interaction again, but he knew that he was wrong. So watch a scary movie. Or watch a fucking gory movie. I don't know. Andre claimed that he would often cut off business trips for a shorter amount of times just to return home in fear of committing another murder. So he knew that once he had 
Lana and that interaction, nothing was going to satisfy him in that way. And so that's what he claimed. He claimed that he would come home early to not commit murders. Yeah, I don't really think that he's a good guy, so I don't really give a no, shit if I don't you were like, I had to go home to, like, not commit murder. Like, how how gracious of him. Literally. <laughs> Thank you for that. Good for fucking you. So in September of 1981, Andre would encounter a 13-year-old named Larissa <laughs> Chakenko. Oh. That was, that was all right. Yeah. Larissa Chakenko. Um, and she was actually near a bus stop. He walked up to her and he asked if she was interested in participating in imbibing in some alcohol, some vodka. Imbibing? Imbibing. What it does that mean? to drink. Mm-hmm. What? You didn't know that? I did not. You know? I learned something today. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, let's take a walk. Let's drink some vodka. Let's relax in the park. So she agreed to it. She was like, why not? But he also said that he had weed, I think. How old is he at this point? Um, let's see, this is 1981, and he was born in 36. So he's almost 50. Probably, yeah, yeah, because And he's be hanging out 30, with a 13-year-old. 50. That's, I mean, what a, the, it's oddvy, right? Well, yeah, and he's an adult. He's the one that needs, that should know better. This yeah. 13-year-old doesn't know any better. Right, He of does. Course. Yes. So he actually walked up, but like I said, asked her to, to have a few drinks with him, walk through the park, content warning. Once secluded, he then began to attack her. Andre aggressively threw her to the ground and actually began to try to sexually assault her. Again, he was unable to perform sexually and he grew enraged. He then began to shove dirt and earth into her face and mouth. He beat and strangled her. However, he wouldn't be satisfied until he saw blood. But knowing that he didn't have a knife or a sharp instrument on him, he began gnawing at her with his teeth. What? Until he ultimately cut out a chunk of skin on her breast and with the blood he then of course ejaculated he actually ended up swallowing the amount of flesh oh no she did not survive the attack of course um he then loosely covered her body with leaves and dirt before leaving the scene larissa was found the next day okay no one can see me but my hand is like over my mouth and i don't know what's a lot to say the only question i have is that is her cause of death also strangulation, or was it that? I believe it's strangulation. I, I was looking on the Wikipedia page because they do have a list of victims. Yeah. And they have names, sex, age, and then how they met. But I didn't scroll over to see if there was, like, a cause of death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just... It just didn't say anything. It wasn't, it it wasn't blood loss, <clears throat> you know. June 12th, 1982 was a normal day for Lubov Buruk. Her mother had actually asked her to help secure some groceries for the family and some medication because her mother wasn't feeling well. Uh Lubov was actually an independent soul, and she had absolutely no problem navigating the area of town that she lived in. And so while waiting for the bus, her last errand of the day was to go pick up medication. She actually encountered Andre. He was walking in between two bus stops. He was trying to catch one and get to another. And he decided just to walk at that point, and probably because he saw Lubov and yeah. was like, oh, okay. So, um, he was actually talking to her, and what she was trying to explain, like, I'm trying to get to the pharmacy or whatever, and he goes, oh, I know a really great shortcut if you go this way, right? And Don't I can show you. do it. So, she obliged, and she was like, sure. Um, they started walking down until the two came to, like, a hidden point at this point park or woods where they were like kind of covered by bushes and then he began his attack andre attacked her with a knife 
He stabbed her as he tried to sexually assault her. He stabbed and slashed her 22 times. Oh, my God. Mostly in the head, the neck, the chest, and her groin area. Oh, my God. And she struggled, of course. He attempted to mutilate her eyes as well. <gasps> he why? Was... What the fuck? I'll tell you why. She was ultimately found 15 days later. And after this second killing, Andre then knew, like, that was all he was ever going to do. He realized, like, in that moment, like, I'm I'm a killer. Like, I'm... I need this in my life. No, you don't. Which is horrible. So he actually began began um, killing indiscriminately between July and September of 1982. He would have five more victims between the ages of 9 and 18, both oh. male and female. My God. His modus operandi was that he was targeting runaways. He was targeting drug addicts, sex workers, and um, he also enjoyed... Picking up people at certain locations, like we've seen the bus stops, mm-hmm. but he would also frequent frequent train stations as well. He enjoyed doing that high traffic area thing. Like, he wasn't well, afraid to thrill. lure someone, which was interesting to me. Well, it's one of those things, I guarantee you, he, go, he thinks back on it and he's like, there were so many people around and I still did it. And I still, still did it. it. Exactly. Okay, so that that's exactly what I was thinking of, because another part of his MO is that he takes people to what seem like secluded locations but they're not always secluded they're They're like like city parks parks and woods and things like that it's not like they're out in nowhere you think he almost like wants to get caught i i think so i think it's like that thrill and i don't know that's something that i don't i feel like there's certain reasons or things that were put in motion to what his mo is yeah especially during the assault but I wonder what that out in the open thing is, because, like, that comes from somewhere. Well, to be fair, he was sanctioned in this little tiny area when he was younger, and his family was only given so much space to grow and to be it's and true. to live. Yeah. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but that's what I think of when it's, yeah. like, these big open spaces, like, maybe that's like what an... brings him, like, comfort, because that's not what he had growing up. Growing up, yeah. I don't know. And I don't know if it's, like, a... Like a, like a, not a bravado thing, but what am I trying to say? Like a, like an arrogance thing? Yeah. Like, is that like, wow, like I did this right under everybody's nose. Yeah. You know? If you're new here, by the way, listeners, we, this is kind of what we do as well. Uh, we obviously talk about true crime, but we also like to speculate on, you know, the psychological aspect of things and the uh, potential mental illness of the killer. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's why we're I feel like, about. like, I just really yeah. feel like it's a blatant disregard, honestly. Yeah. Like, you just like, I don't care. Like, this is yeah. what I need and whatever. Most of his victims, and you asked about the eyes earlier, they had their eyes mutilated or torn out. I hate eye stuff that, like, really freaks <laughs> really? me out. It I really can touch does. my eyes. I wear contacts. I can touch my eyes, but, like, injuring my eyes, it, like, terrifies me. Oh, yeah. Me. Yeah, that's scary. Like, a sharp thing. I'm like, oh. So there's actually a Russian superstition that the last moments of death are actually imprinted on the back of your eyes. What? Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I didn't know that that was a thing. I mean, yeah, I and like, like I said, I, I think that I maybe I've heard that somewhere, and I want to say it was Rasputin, but mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I've definitely heard that before, and so yeah, I just think that's really interesting huh. that it's yeah mainly a Re- Russian superstition, or that's where it originated from. So what was his? What do you think his goal was in that? Was it like to erase that from happening? To not or... get caught? Yeah, but like, okay, and. This is just me thinking about the first, I don't know what happened, obviously, but the first um, 
not for the first, the second murder that you talked about, it almost seemed like he went for the eyes kind of, like, towards the end of his attack. Mm-hmm. And so wouldn't the beginning of the attack be imprinted in his mind or if that superstition It's holds? the last moments of death. Oh, like right before. So you die. yes, I see. that that is it's like a oh I remember where it was. It was Wild Wild West. Oh, <laughs> with Will Smith. Will Smith is listening and he's disappointed. <laughs> well, no, because I remembered him. Yeah, it's in it's in Wild Wild West. I think where they literally take the guy's eyeball and like put it on a projector. Okay, and they that's like creepy. turn it like invert it so you can see the last moments of death and you find out who the bad guy is like. Straight oh up. God. That's what it was. Okay. And also Rasputin. That's that's very bizarre. And that's really fucked up that he does yeah, that. Or so, that he did that. Yeah. So he definitely um, did that with intent. There was a reason for that. So another part of his MO is that the victims also had mutilations done to their sexual organs. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, that's a given. Yeah. It's because he hates his own sexual organs and mm-hmm. he is projecting that on right. his victims. So for males, he would castrate the males either with um, a knife or by tearing through the flesh with his teeth. (gasps) And I said that in the nicest way possible. He would also swallow Uh, parts, especially the sexual organs. Wait a second. Ding. Light bulb. His mom had that cannibal story when he was growing up that he told him about. She told him about Mm -hmm. that. Makes, okay, again, making these connections from childhood to now, yeah. that makes, doesn't make sense, obviously, but that connection like, is there. If you're going to put a potion together, there's all the pieces, right? Like, yeah. you're going to dabble in some cannibalism. You're going to dabble in the, the, the famine, you know, and the starvation, and then you're going to dabble in the seclusion. unable, the seclusion and the unable to perform because of the incontinence mm-hmm. and the sexual aspect of it and you're gonna dash wow. all that in together and then I don't think I've really ever stir it up with some bully and, and yeah. you know then I don't think I've really explosion. ever like heard a story kind of like this where every kind of part of the MO really you can connect it to something. Not mm-hmm. makes sense. I don't want to say makes sense, but you can connect it to something in the childhood. Yeah. Most of the time it's like, yeah, well you can connect this and this and this, this, you know, links together, but then what the hell is that? That's yeah. kind of out there. It's kinda of weird, yeah. you know? But that it's, wow. It's telling. pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean that's so, not the most damning piece of evidence right there. Mm-hmm. Look at your childhood. <laughs> so for females, um, you know, to the counterpart of the male, he would cut or tear their breasts or parts of their lower abdomen, um, even like the uterus and stuff. Mm. That's really awful. On December 11th, 1982, Andre came across a 10-year-old named Olga Stalamachek. Oh, not the 10-year-old. She was alone riding the bus on her way to her parents' house. Andre had actually struck up a conversation with her, and they actually got off the bus together. A few riders actually took notice of the odd couple because it seemed strange that he pulled her by her hand once off the bus. And, of course, he's 50 and she's 10. Yeah. And... Clearly, people that were listening to the conversation knew that they were probably just meeting each other. Yeah, not, like, dad and daughter. Yeah. Andre walked with her onto the outskirts of town, actually, where he then took her, slashed her, stabbed her over 50 times, killing her. Oh, my God. He then mutilated her body. He removed her sexual organs as well. So he's getting, like, more, like... He's adding more things on, and he's taking more time. Unfortunately, Olga would not be found for another four months later. Oh my gosh. It's really sad. 
In January 1983, investigators pieced together that there's a potential serial killer on the loose. You don't say. Right? So, um, I did look up how many victims he had at this point, and I want to say it's about 13 victims by the time they start connecting some of these. And this is before Olga's actually found. This was, um, Olga, so Olga passed in December. She wasn't found until April, but in January, investigators were like, okay, there's like clearly some issues happening here. There was at least four victims that police are now officially linking at this point okay. with MO um, and age range as well. And probably, like, location. And location, yeah. likely. So as Andre continued to kill case by case, more and more are linked to the idea of a serial murderer. Okay. So this is, again, this is January, and then Olga won't be found until April, but I think he had two others in between there somewhere. These are just, and I'm not trying to discredit all of the victims. At the end, I will, you know, of course, list the victims out of respect for each one of them. But the ones that I am talking about, not just for time's sake, but it's because there's substantial evidence and yeah, substantial evidence of it, not just hearsay by Andre, because he does eventually talk about it. Um, they're and also Lord knows he's probably fabricating. <laughs> they're they're noteworthy, is yes. what it is. Like each one has either an escalation or a different type of mo that's coming to light. Yeah. Um, you know things like that. So, so of course they're trying to link it to the serial murderer, right? <laughs> trying to. Yeah. Police are convinced, however, that the killers are a part of a group of perpetrators who are either harvesting organs or Satanists because. Why not? Or it's that Alex guy that we killed two years ago and he's still <laughs> yeah. on the loose. Poor Alex. God. Oh, so sad. Why the Satanists? Why do the Satanists always get it's picked on? It's always the Satanists. They always get picked on. Like, Satanism is literally, like, not even what it sounds like and it's, it's not, not even what people think it is. And no. people always get fucking, oh, it must be those fucking Satanists. Yeah. Well, it is the 80s, though, so, you know, that was That's a big true. hype. <laughs> the, the, what was it, the They're coming manic the panic ch- yeah. kind of, like, The Helter Skelter. Yes, Helter Skelter. God. <laughs> Dummies. A manic panic. That's a fucking manic. hair dye brand. <laughs> it is. That's my hair dye brand. <laughs> so police began to kind of sidebar, create a profile of a person. If it was a man or men that exists, what kind of perpetrators would they be? And let me guess, it looks nothing like him. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did say, they said, you know, it's probably pedophiles or homosexuals. Because Satanists... Homo- Why not? Por que no los dos? Why not homosexual Satanists? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so they actually begin to interrogate known sex offenders around the neighborhood. Um, the neighborhoods that the victims were found in. Well, that's not going to work because he's not a known sex offender. He's not. He's, he's not, never been convicted of anything. He's um, a known sex offender. We know. We know. He. They don't. So although some men actually confess to the crimes... The confessions were almost always thrown out, given that the men were under extreme pressure due to hours of interrogations. Dude. Just like Alex. What is up with this fucking skewed mindset of, like, I don't give a shit if you did it or not. We're going to put someone away. Yeah. It's literally to keep the, like, public panic and and dismiss that. They say, yes. you know what? It doesn't matter who did it. We're going to say that we got the guy so that the public can stop freaking out. Yeah. That is so fucked up. The, um, these tactics were so heavy-handed in fact three men who were homosexual actually committed suicide after being outed and subject to brutal interrogation tactics 
killed oh my themselves God, because they were my heart. publicly shamed. Oh my God. For being gay. Isn't that awful? That really hurts my heart. It's really sad. Poor things. That's oh how God. like awful these idiots are. Like, I mean, <gasps> fuck Andre, but like these guys are idiots. Like, no, what literally. the fuck? Like, however, statistically, as a result of the determination of some of these investigators, over 1,000 unrelated crimes were actually solved during this time. Okay, so I this mean, includes, we'll give you that. This includes 95 unsolved murders, 140 aggravated assaults, and 245 rape cases. What were these guys doing before they started looking into this fucking serial murder? Were 95 were, murders? <laughs> unsolved? Just like... This is, I mean, I guess they got bigger shit going on. I don't fucking know. Jesus. (laughs) So, again, so far, Andre's murder count is 14 victims. And that is where we will stop. (gasps) It's going to be a two parter. It's going to be a. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are kind of far. We're already on 14. We got a a bit of a ways. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know what's going to happen next. So, I have to wait with the listeners, too, and see. It's exciting. That was a good. Oh, my gosh. I'm really. I don't want to say I'm excited, but, I'm like... I'm so excited! To hear about the rest of this terrible crime. <sighs> wow, that's good. I really like that. Lot. It's a it's It's very interesting so far, and that's a lot of information. So, yeah, to be fair to the listeners, we don't want a three-hour episode, so I guess yeah. stopping for part one is probably the move. Ugh, I feel so bad for Alex. Dude, I mean, he's also a, a raper. I mean, he is a raper or murderer. But I don't know if he deserved to get, like, murdered, like, in... Not in cold blood, but... Death penalty. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cold in Russia. That is cold-blooded. Cold a firing blooded. squad? That is cold-blooded. That is cold-blooded. Damn. R.I.P. Alex. But also, That's like, sad. rest in distress because you're a fucking terrible person. Too. Right. In the meantime, while you're waiting for part two, you can follow us on Instagram at Diagnosing a Killer. We have Twitter at Killer Diagnosis. Gmail.com. Gmail.com. Diagnosing a killer at gmail.com. And we also have Patreon, which we got two new Patreons, and I'm so excited. Yeah, uh, Patreon.com slash diagnosing a killer. And we hope to see you next time we are here, or see you, or hear you. We won't even know if you're listening, but please continue to listen to us. <laughs> Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.